Rivers Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. In our sermon series, Hebrews, Jesus, the perfect priest, the superior sacrifice. And as we look at the book of Hebrews, that is something that we do not want to forget. Jesus is the perfect priest because he's the superior sacrifice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we turn our focus to the proclamation of your word, I just pray that we allow your gospel truth, truths to penetrate our heart this morning. We thank you for everything that we see you doing in our lives individually, but ultimately what we, you see, what we see you doing as a whole. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Question for you would be this. What, what does God's rest mean to you? What does God's rest mean to you? Does it, does it mean material riches? Does it mean peace here on earth? Does it mean freedom from danger? Now, as you look at this image, think about that. Does God's rest mean that you will be free from danger because you have experienced peace here on earth while you obtain material riches. Now, let's talk about this image. This is an image of the Taliban when they took over after we pulled out of Afghanistan. Now, see, I think that most Westerners would say everything that we just said about God's rest. They would say, yeah, that is how I would define God's rest. But now, if God's truth is universal, would the same be true for Afghani Christians? Brothers and sisters, the, the real question is this. We were encouraged last week to enter God's rest but this week, we need to ask the question, how is it that we go about, or how do we not only enter God's rest, but how do we claim God's rest? And this is the reason why we have titled our sermon this morning that. Claiming God's rest. Claiming God's rest. Today, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, so please join with us in your Bibles. If not, no worries. Every verse will be on the screen for you this morning in the ESV translation. Last week, speaking of entering God's West, that was the title of Pastor Jared's sermon. He encouraged us and he challenged us not to ignore the Holy Spirit, especially as we would want to refrain from being led astray. Because that's what happens, isn't it? When you ignore the Holy Spirit, you are led astray. We were also encouraged to know that God's rest, however, is absolute truth. God's truth is universal. What's true for us as believers here in Western culture is true for believers in countries like Afghanistan. Those who ignore God's truth will reap absolute consequences. Today we're going to be encouraged to claim God's rest, all of which begins by first, 
and this is important, it all begins, in order to claim God's rest, it all begins by first looking beyond this world, looking beyond our lives now. So let's get into this text this morning, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to, just, to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed entered that rest, as he has said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Amen. As we look to put these verses into one sentence, that one simple sentence states this. God has promised us eternal rest. It's that simple. God has promised us eternal rest. There is a line from Shakespeare's play, The Taming of the Shrew. And we've heard this before, but now we know where it came from. But we've heard people say, forever and a day. But the question is this. How can forever have an additional day? Especially when one day is forever. As we look at our text, the word rest actually refers to future salvation. See, that's the reason why we need to look beyond this world. That's the reason why we need to look beyond this life now when we want to claim God's rest. It's not good to just enter God's rest if we don't claim God's rest simultaneously. And also it tells us, let us fear. See, this is an antidote against disobedience. If you have a healthy fear of who God is, you will refrain from being disobedient. 
See, being fearful of God is to simply understand who you are as sinful man and who God is as a holy, righteous God. So therefore, that fear should almost be in awe of who he is. The reason why we come together to worship him, because that's what worship is. It's an appropriate response to who God is. We also see the term good news. See, good news is simply a reference to the gospel. Last week, belief is how we learn we go about entering God's rest. Pastor Jared encouraged us to simply believe in the work of Jesus. But see, faith, obedience, and surrender is how we go about claiming God's rest to, as it says, benefit from the gospel. See, you can't just simply know the gospel intellectually. No, you need to claim the gospel in your life. And that comes out in the form of faith, obedience, and surrender. See, faith is something that we have in the work of Jesus. It's our faith in his work. And we know that the gospel tells us that we only know faith because of God's grace. Therefore, we understand with grace being a gift that our faith in Christ and his work is actually a gift given to us from God. So we have absolutely no faith in our good deeds. All of our faith should be in Jesus and his good work upon the cross. Now, obedience is God's word that we hear when we read God's word or we hear it proclaimed, that's obedience as long as we act accordingly. If we, if we respond in the appropriate manner that God's word calls us to respond, and that's what obedience looks like. Now, as for surrender, that is for us to deny ourselves and pick up our own cross daily. And simply, you can deny yourself by realizing that it has nothing to do with you and your work. Your salvation is fully contingent upon Jesus and his work and what he has done. And then when we have that type of faith, we know that we are called to follow him. Therefore, the question would be, are you faithfully obedient to the point of daily surrender? That's the question we should be asking ourselves. Am I faithfully obedient to the point of daily surrender? This is how you go about claiming God's rest, church. When you're that faithful. To be obedient to the point that you can surrender yourself daily to Jesus and follow him. See, us Westerners should ponder Afghanistan, shouldn't we? Think about that image that you saw. Those Taliban fighters taking over the country after our 20 years of being there. See, faith, obedience, and surrender is the only hope that an Afghan Christian has. Because they know a thing or two about the Taliban, and they know when those men are sitting behind that desk, the only hope they have is Jesus. But I think us in Western culture, we're a bit soft. 
We have a tendency to try to create rest on our own. If you were staring down the barrel of a rifle, I'm being dead serious. Because you know you have brothers and sisters in Christ today who are staring down the barrel of a rifle. Would your heart rate remain consistent to its rhythm and not elevate because you know that you are claiming God's rest? Because you know it's about what's to come rather than what you have now? Are you that faithfully obedient? Have you surrendered yourself to Jesus on that level? I just want to read verses 3 and 4 again. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. The work of Jesus was finished from the foundation of the world church. God rested on the seventh day from all of his work. Forget about Shakespeare and what he says about forever and a day, because how can forever have an additional day, especially when one day is forever? God's eternal rest needs nothing additional. He created in six days, then he rested on the seventh. And I just want to read this one comment from a commentator that really sums this up well. Now, keep this in mind as we're thinking about God resting on the seventh day after he had created in six. And I believe that they were six literal 24-hour days. One commentator says this. He says, this rest is compatible with great activity. He that enters into divine rest is not reduced to quietism. On the seventh day, the creator rested from creation, but he works in providence. Jesus on the seventh day rested from Calvary, but he pleads in heaven, cease from your own works after a similar fashion. Abandon your restless planning and striving by the grace of the Holy Spirit. Better service will be produced. Brothers and sisters, God is offering rest for us from this restless world. He's not offering us idleness or laziness. That's not what we're talking about here. He's offering us rest from a world that is restless. Let's heed this warning that we find at the end of verse 5 because those who refuse to be faithfully obedient to the point of daily surrender are the ones who, as God says at the end of verse 5, shall not enter my rest. Really, what these five verses are saying is this. Claiming God's rest requires faith, obedience, and surrender. And that's our first point. 
Claiming God's rest requires obedience. First, it actually requires faith, then obedience, and then surrender. There is absolutely no way that we can find ourselves in God's rest unless we have, first and foremost, had the faith in Jesus and His work upon the cross, been obedient to what God's Word tells us, how we respond to His truth in order to surrender ourselves daily, deny ourselves, and pick up our own cross. Because we are, after all, all followers of Jesus. Again, we said that God has promised us His eternal rest. And that's ultimately what we're seeing here this morning. This is a promise from God. He has promised us His eternal rest, especially from a world that is restless. The Lord says in Isaiah 44, 22, there is no peace for the wicked. That's what Isaiah says. There is no peace for the wicked. We would probably say this. We would say there's no rest for the weary. I'm sure all of you have seen this ad. As you think about that, no rest for the weary. You guys have seen the ad that America runs on Duncan, right? I mean, let's all be honest here. If you're like me, one of the first things you do in the morning is make a cup of joe, right? You guys with me on that? Sometimes in the afternoon? Sometimes in the evening? No? Some of you are saying no. Some of you are saying no. I can drink coffee all day long. In fact, I can have a pot of coffee and then take a nap. But we've all said that. Why do you think Dunkin' Donuts says America runs on Dunkin'? Why do you think that is? Because it's all about our 24-7 culture. That's why. Everything. You order something on Amazon one day, the next morning it's there. First shift, second shift, third shift. See, that's our Western mentality. It's go, 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 go in everything that we do. Brothers and sisters, the work of Jesus on the cross allows us to trust His work and not our own. After all, if you were trusting your own work, you would need a little bit more than Dunkin' Donuts to get the job done. And let's jump into our last set of verses here. We need to understand something. This is interesting as we come to this part in Hebrews, that this is the only mention of Joshua in the entire New Testament. Joshua, the son of Nun. We find this in verse 8. See, Joshua led Israel to temporal, physical rest. Canaan through Joshua, Joshua was a foreshadowing of Jesus. God used Joshua for that very reason. See, our faith in Jesus leads us to spiritual rest. But the problem is, not all of the Israelites being led by Joshua actually had faith, 
were obedient and surrendered themselves to God. Which is why they didn't find the temporal, physical rest. But the same is true for us. If we want to find the eternal rest promised to us by God, we need to be faithful, we need to be obedient, and we need to surrender to Jesus so we can experience the spiritual rest that only He can provide. And this is why it would never be enough for us to run on Duncan. There is no rest for the weary. There is no rest for those who do not run on Jesus. So next time you see America runs on Duncan, remind yourself, no, I run on Jesus. Brothers and sisters, let's just observe verse 9. It says, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. You know what this is telling me? It's not too late. See, there's some of you out there right now thinking it's too late. You think that you missed the boat, like somehow you may find yourself in church each and every Sunday, but somehow, some way, you're still just not confident in your salvation and you think it is too late. The problem with that mentality is everything that we're talking about. You're running on your own work, your own merit, and you're not realizing that it has everything to do with the work of Jesus. And if there's still a Sabbath rest, it's not too late because there remains, as it says, a Sabbath rest for those who want to be faithfully obedient and surrender. If you want to be faithfully obedient and surrender yourself to Jesus, it is not too late because Sabbath rest equals redemptive rest. I don't think Seely Posturpedic is going to you know, put that in their marketing campaign. But that's precisely what Sabbath rest means. It means that we find a redemptive, eternal rest in Jesus because of our faith in Him. It's our rest in God's perfect work of redemption. Church, this is the gospel. This is what we can't get wrong. This is the ABCs and one, two, threes of everything that we preach and teach. Everything that we read in the Bible goes through the filter of the work of Jesus. It goes through God's grace, which leads to our faith in Him and His work. That is the good news. Brothers and sisters, remember Isaiah 44, 22. It said, there is no peace for the wicked. Which is really like saying there is no rest for the weary. It's all part of that 24-7 culture that we live in. And everything that comes with it. We wear ourselves out trying to keep up. But for what? For what? Even if you make it comfortably to the end and you have excess, it doesn't go with you, so what do you do with it? What do you, you pass it on down to your family? You eventually pass away one day and who's left of your family divvies up what you have left over because you couldn't take a thing with you? 
Real rest is redemptive. And it's not too late. So as Joe joins me up here, we need to do as it says, strive to enter that rest. We need to make the effort and not rely on our own effort. See, in order to claim God's rest, we can start doing that today by making the effort to pray. We, we can begin today because we also know that it's not too late, but we can do it by making the effort to repent. And again, to repent is to turn away from your sin and turn back towards God. We can make the effort to serve one another. And as example, at the beginning in our announcement segment for service this morning, we gave a few examples of how we have been doing that here at Villa's Grace. We can make the effort in faith. We can make the effort in obedience. And we can make the effort with our surrender to Jesus. Don't make the mistake. Do not make the mistake of making this effort happen in vain because the effort in vain that's happening when we do that is the effort motivated by self-reliance. And that is so difficult for us because society has been telling us forever that you need to be reliant upon yourself. The lies of our adversary are in your ear. The lies of our adversary are telling you in your ear, you can do it. You just need to try a little bit harder. Make the effort. And see, when we hear things like that, we realize there is no rest for the weary. We realize that we are getting run down. So therefore, when we hear a marketing campaign and an ad like America runs on Duncan, it starts making a lot of sense to us because we need that liquid black motivation in the morning. Maybe in the afternoon, but some of you said not before dinner or before bed. See, when we hear things like, you can do it, just try a little harder. Or maybe we hear that little lie in our ear that says your success will bring you rest. To me, that sounds a lot more like a fortune cookie than it does the gospel. And that's exactly what we want to stay away from. Our reliance upon Jesus is what we run to. We run away from self-reliance. After all, there is absolutely no rest for the weary, but there is for those who are all about claiming God's rest for their own through the perfect work of Jesus. To summarize, we can say it just like this. God has promised us his eternal rest. God has promised us, and this is our second point, his eternal rest. This isn't our rest. This is his rest, and it is eternal in nature. Again, our main idea stated this. God has promised us his eternal rest. 
fact, let me, let me go back for, for one second here and just share it with you. If we think that we can do this on our own, we are fooling ourselves because according to the gospel, it is by grace through faith that we are saved. And God has been the one who has given us that faith. He has given us the gift of faith in what he has done. That is the message that we go forward with. That is who we share. We share him and what he has done upon the cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity once again, even as we have highlighted this morning what's happening throughout the world and the differences for us. We ask that we can be used to share your truth with others, that we can make disciples who make disciples. Your rest is what we seek, Lord. Help us hold one another accountable so we can encourage each other to pursue you and what you have promised us. It is in Jesus' name that we pray this. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.